Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Real Live Talk. I'm Duke Lamastra. I'm your host. So, so good to have you with me. Uh, it is just such an honor to see that uh, every week there's people tuning in to watch and or listen to this podcast. And uh, just in case you're unaware, because uh, this podcast does go out in different forms to a lot of different places, uh, this is available on all of the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many others. So uh, feel free to subscribe wherever it's convenient for you. And uh, don't forget to leave a comment or a review because that's really, really, really helpful. I appreciate that so much. It's also uh, available on the uh, Facebook page. The Facebook page is um, Real Live Talk Podcast. And uh, if you can, if you find it there and you can um, like or follow the Facebook page, that's really, really helpful as well. So thank you guys so much for all that you do there. It's really, really uh, just a blessing and an honor to share with you. Uh, so for this episode, I'm all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a guest for this one. I just have something on my heart that I wanted to share. And um, just full disclosure, I am pre-recording this episode. I wasn't able to put out an episode last week. I had a lot of uh, just voice problems, just been dealing with uh, some uh, pretty rough allergies. I haven't had bad allergies in several years, but this year it hit me kind of hard. And uh, even yesterday in church, I, I felt myself kind of like getting choked up a little bit when I was trying to talk. So hopefully this session goes well. I'm feeling good. And uh, hopefully we'll, I'll be able to get through it all. But yeah, last week, uh, last Wednesday night in our Bible study, I had to just leave. I had to get up and, and, and leave because I was just, I talked for a couple minutes and then it just could not stop coughing. And every time I tried to open my mouth for more than a few seconds, it would just, uh, I'd get choked up again. So anyway, <clears throat> hopefully I don't have that problem today. And uh, hopefully me clearing my throat doesn't uh, annoy you too much. But uh, we're going to do our best. So, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks again for being here. I wanted to share something that's on my heart. So a few weeks ago, I uh, shared something uh, in our Sunday morning church service and um, just felt like I wanted to put it out here on the podcast as well. And so just something that the Lord has just been kind of talking to me about and that I've just been uh, just kind of sensing a need for right now is to uh, for the people of God to learn to demonstrate a courageous heart to walk in courage the kind of courage that enables us to partner with god to see breakthrough come to pass and so in this um kind of short teaching here that i want to go through i also want to talk about um some of the lies that keep the people of god from really taking possession of the things that god has promised them and then uh, talking about that courageous heart that enables you to partner with God to see breakthrough happen. I'm going to use one of my favorite passages of scripture to uh, teach from, which is Numbers chapter 13 through 14. So the whole story, if you wanted to read it for yourself, Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, all the way through chapter 14, through verse uh, verse 12 of chapter 14, you can keep going even beyond that, but that's kind of where um, I'm going to draw the line here in this story because otherwise I'd be talking all day. But um, it starts out in Numbers chapter 13, um, verse uh, 1, where it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. So 12 spies were sent. There were 12 tribes of Israel, a, tri a, a representative, a spy was chosen from each of the tribes to go out and to spend uh, many, many days in the land of Canaan spying it out. So just so you know, when we get to this point, what's happening is 
The people of God had been set free. The Lord used Moses to deliver the people of God out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. They had been 400 years as a nation enslaved by the Egyptians. And they had grown incredibly. They'd grown to a nation of, it's estimated, I've, I've just heard this, uh, that it's estimated between one and three million people overall was part of the nation of Israel at this time. It was, they were within Egypt, within the nation of, of Egypt, put in servitude, put in bondage by the Egyptians, but God had such his hand of favor and blessing upon them that they just kept growing and multiplying. And so we have this just incredible, incredibly uh, large at this point nation of people. They've been in bondage. It's just generation after generation that all they've known is slavery. God raises up Moses, sets them free. You probably know the story of the parting of the Red Sea and they go out from Egypt. And so now they're in the wilderness. They've been in the wilderness for about two years. And so after about this two-year period, they're in the wilderness. They're going from, from site to site. They're just following God, pillar of fire by day, uh, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, all that kind of stuff. And so they're just following the Lord. God's being so faithful to just provide everything that they need throughout this season. Their clothes are not wearing out. Their shoes are not wearing out. You know, they're walking through the desert, the wilderness. Their food is provided for them supernaturally every single day. God supernaturally provides water for them. Just God is just with them. God's faithful. God is covering every single need of life. And they are protected and they are being cared for supernaturally by God. And so now they get to the edge of the promised land. So the promised land is the land of Canaan. It's this land that God had spoken all the way back to the time of Abraham and then through Isaac and through Jacob and how God had just spoken saying, I am going to, there's this land called the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be for you, for your descendants, for your children's children, children's children, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's this promise from God that has been just there. I imagine at this point for the nation of Israel, it's been on the back burner for quite some time because they've been in slavery for hundreds of years. And so I think that we all, to a certain extent, we know what it's like to have a promise from God that we haven't seen the fulfillment of yet. We haven't seen it come to pass yet. And we can very easily put that thing on the back burner and it gets out of the forefront of our minds because life happens and because maybe it's just taken longer than we ever thought that it was going to take for us to get there and see that thing happen. And so that's what's going on with the nation of Israel, but amplified over hundreds of years for, through several generations okay and so that's what's happened that's what's going on when we get to this point in numbers chapter 13 verse 1 they've now gone from egypt and they've spent two years out in the wilderness and they are standing on the banks of the jordan river standing on what i like to call the edge of promise because on the other side of this river is the land that god had been speaking to them about this land that god had promised to them saying i'm going to give to you this land as your inheritance and so they're standing on the edge of the Jordan. They send out these 12 spies to go in and to look at the land and to bring back a report of the land. What, it's, what is it like? What do you see there? What's the food like? What are the people like? Are there other cities? Are, what's going on in this land? And so that's what happens. That's what's going on here. Now, it's important to recognize that it was God's idea to send these 12 spies out, to send this delegation out, to go into the land and to spy it out. So this was God's idea. Okay. Now, remember, God had been providing for his people supernaturally throughout this whole process in the, the wilderness because the goal of the wilderness, I believe from reading scripture and from 
understanding or having some experience even just with the way that God works and the way that he works on our heart and the way that he moves on our heart and the way that he wants to just bring us into deeper understanding and revelation of who he is, that throughout that wilderness process, that the goal of the wilderness was for the people of God to become acquainted with him, to become acquainted with him, with his ways, with his works, and to learn how to trust in him. Because here's the thing, in the wilderness, God prepares you for the promise. Now, our assumption is that, you know, we have this promise from God and our thinking so often defaults to, you know what, if I just had this, if I just had this now, if I just had uh, all this, you know, money, or if I had this huge ministry that I saw, or if I had this business, if all this stuff was worth, whatever, whatever it is, if I had the promise in my hands, if it was happening right now, then life would just be so much easier and things would be just smooth sailing and everything would be great. Our assumption is that the promise is easier than the wilderness, but the promise actually requires more. It requires more. It requires deeper faith. It requires deeper trust. It requires more maturity. I mean, when we just look at what happens when the people of God eventually do go into the promised land, spoiler alert in this story, they're not getting in. All right. They're not getting into the promised land. That's not going to happen. So in case you don't know the story, uh, I just ruined it for you. But they're, they're not getting into the promised land because their heart was not right. And that's what we're going to look at going forward here. But when they do, finally, when we come to Joshua chapter one, after Moses has died and the Lord raises up Joshua now to lead the people of Israel to go across the Jordan River and to finally go in and to take possession of the promised land. What we find is that it's a journey. It's a process. There's conquest that has to take place because there are all of these fortified cities and nations and other people occupying the land. And it ends up that the people of God have to fight. I think it's about 30 battles in the promised land. And it's like, well, hold up. I thought the promised land was supposed to be smooth sailing. I thought it was supposed to be, I just get this promise and then everything is good. And I don't have to worry about all this kind of stuff that's kind of more like in the wilderness, the difficult things, the challenging things. So, but actually stepping into the fullness of the promise, it actually requires more. And so there's a journey that God takes his people on where we're in that kind of wilderness. And I'm using this term wilderness kind of loosely. And here's the thing. There's nothing unspiritual or less spiritual about being in the wilderness. We have wilderness experiences and we have promised land experiences. Okay. And so there's nothing unspiritual spiritual about being in the wilderness. Let's just look at the children of Israel. For them, it was a time for God to show himself to them. And that's what God was doing. He would reveal himself to them as their provider, as their healer, as their helper. He wanted to show them who he was. And the goal was that they would learn how to partner with God and learn how to trust God, learn how to walk with God so that when they walk in and they take possession of the promise that now there's this partnership there that's based on trust so that they're able to be successful and they're able to really take possession and maintain uh, the promise of God. Because here's the thing, when God moves you from the wilderness to the promised land, it's not like all of a sudden there's no more like growth that happens. The goal of God, the, the heart of God is that you would always be growing that you would always be moving to a new level, that you would always be taking on adventure and more. 
because the goal of God is that you would always increase in every single area of your life. And so it's learning how to partner with God. And so here's the thing. There's nothing more or less spiritual about being in the wilderness or being in the promised land. The point is wherever you find yourself today, it's learning how to partner with God, learning how to engage with God, learning how to grow more in trust learning how to deepen your faith walk with God, your love walk with God, your journey with God. It's learning how to deepen that no matter where you are. And so sometimes it's holding on to a promise that he's given you because you know that he's faithful. And so holding on to that promise, incubating that promise, that's what I believe the wilderness is really all about. It's that incubation period between the time when God gives you a promise and the time when you fully take possession of that thing that he's promised you, you fully step into the, the, the realm of that, of that promise of being fulfilled in your life. Okay, so there's the incubation period where our job, our role as God's sons and daughters is actually to partner with his heart. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, um, I know it's the verse I want to use. And as I was saying it, I, you know how you start to say something and then you hope that the words are going to be there by the time you get to the part where you need it. And I just did that and I thought it was going to happen automatically and it didn't happen. So anyway, Hebrews 10 23 says, I'm stalling because my brain is just not working right now. And somehow I didn't bring my Bible to the table with me. This is crazy. Anyway, sorry about that. So uh, Hebrews 10 23 let us hold fast. I knew I'd get there eventually. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith or of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. That is the responsibility that we have as God's sons and daughters. It's to partner with the heart of God by continuing to say, to speak, to confess, to declare. The word confession is the Greek word homologio. And it means to say the same thing. So it's we continue to say the same thing. What's the same thing? The same thing that God spoke. The same thing that God promised. The same thing that God showed you. I don't care if it was a minute ago or if it was 52 years ago. The point is that that promise remains because God says that his word does not return void. And so his promise for you today is alive. Even if it's been for you on the back burner, even if you feel like it's been in the back of the closet with dust and all kinds of stuff on top of it, and you need to pull that thing out and dust it off and begin to dream again, that's okay. That happens. I think that happens to all of us from time to time. I know it's for sure happened to me in my life where I've just let something go long enough. And then eventually the Holy Spirit reminds me, hey, remember that thing that I showed you, that's still my heart. That's still my desire. I have not forgotten about it. See, sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking that because we're not seeing the fulfillment of the promise in the timeline that we thought we were going to see it, that somehow God has moved on or God has forgotten about it. Maybe, just maybe, I'm just showing this out there. Maybe we need to take Hebrews 10, 23 to heart, to hold fast, to cling to, the confession of our faith, saying the same thing as God, saying the same thing that God had showed us, instead of getting distracted by what's not happening, what hasn't worked, by the circumstances, by the challenges, by the stuff we see in the natural, and we need to hold fast in faith, in confidence, in trust, to 
the plan of God, to the heart of God, to the desire of God. That's a responsibility that we have when we are in that wilderness process, in the incubation period. It's to hold on to that promise from God, that word from God, to stand on it in faith. And, and when we do that, it's our partnership with God. That's one of the principal ways that we, that we partner with God to see his word come to pass. Because God is faithful. God is so faithful to accomplish every promise that he gives you. But I think that it's pretty, that it's fairly rare for God to give you a promise that has no contingency on you. In other words, most of the time when God promises you something, he's showing you something because he's actually inviting you into a deeper relationship he's inviting you into partner with him for that thing that he's showing you so it's not look i'm going to give you this great ministry i'm going to give you this great business you know uh, isaiah tells us that god declares to us the end from the beginning so there's this reality where when we walk with god he shows us things that are going to come to pass he shows you things about your future and about things that he's called you to and oftentimes he gives you this great picture this great scope of it and maybe you look at that thing and you get excited and you get pumped up and you say, yeah, let's do it. But then a week goes by, a month, a year, a decade, whatever period of time goes by. And if you haven't seen it yet, it can get very easy to just let that thing kind of just fade away, fade out of your mind. My wife um, taught a message years ago that has just continued to resonate throughout our church where it, she talked about out of sight, out of mind. And it's just such a big deal. When we don't keep the promises of God in front of us, then ultimately ultimately, what happens is we don't partner with God to see that thing come to pass. So here's the thing. I, I, you know, I'm not saying never. There are times where God will sh tell you something and it's just strictly him. It's completely on him and he's going to do it whether you're on board with it or not. But I, I mean, I think the vast majority of the time God shows you something as an invitation to say, partner with me so that we can get there. Partner with me because this thing that I showed you, it's not just about me snapping my fingers and making it fall into your lap. No, it's about a journey based on trust because what you learn throughout the journey, what you learn throughout the process of incubating that promise is just invaluable I mean, it, 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 you're going to grow in your relationship with God, but more specifically, God is going to form within you exactly what's needed so that when the promise fully comes, you're able to stand it. You're able to maintain it. I mean, there are things that I'd believe God for in the past and I would, you know, get frustrated and be like, God, why am I not seeing this? Only to realize later on, kind of looking back, you know what, God, thank you for not giving me that thing when I had no idea what to do with it, because what would I have done? I would have driven it into the ground. <laughs> I probably would have just, I probably would have killed it because I didn't have the maturity within myself to really partner with you in the land of promise for breakthrough. Now, let me just say 
that I believe that it is the heart of God. You know, there, there's this there's this reality to the wilderness experience where the people of God were uh, supposed to learn how to partner with God and learn how to trust him and learn about how, just a deeper relationship. You know, when we get to Psalm 103, it says that uh, Moses was acquainted with the ways of God or the yeah, Moses was acquainted with the ways of God. The people of God were acquainted with his works or with his acts. And it, it doesn't come across in that passage as a, as a rebuke or anything like that. But it does tell us something. And we see it all throughout the book of Exodus and throughout the, the um, yeah, the, the other uh, Exodus, Leviticus. We, we, we see it throughout. But particularly in the book of Exodus, we see how... Moses was so willing to just always go further and deeper with God, but the people of God, you know, Moses brought them to Mount Sinai for them to have an experience to encounter God. And what happened? The people got terrified and they said, Moses, we're going to talk to you from now on. Don't let God talk to us anymore. They just weren't willing to go further, to go deeper. They weren't willing to cultivate that relationship of trust with God like Moses was. And so what we see with Moses, even when we get to Exodus chapter 33, Moses is like, show me your way that I may know you. And so Moses becomes acquainted, not just with the works of God or the things that God does, but with the ways of God. And his goal was to become more acquainted with the ways of God so that he could know God more, more deeply. So, let me just define that a little bit. So the people of God being acquainted with the works, it's kind of like they would just stay in the shallow end. And we would find that they were happy, they were content as long as everything in their life was good. But as soon as they encountered a problem where there wasn't enough water or there wasn't the right kind of water or they were tired of the food that God was giving them every single day or they were afraid of the battle that they were going to or whatever it was, that they would immediately just start to complain and to gripe and to grumble and to just be mad and to point their finger at God or at whoever was leading them at the time. And, and they would just get into this cycle of just, they just didn't know any, be, they, they just didn't have the revelation beyond the works of God. They knew, okay, this is what God does. This is what God does for us. Moses went further. Moses realized, well, this is what God does for us because this is who God is. So Moses became acquainted with God's ways. You know, God provided this food, not because we deserve it, but because he is a provider. God, God, God healed, God uh, eradicated this sickness from the camp, not because we deserved it, but because that's who God is, because he's Jehovah Rapha, because he is our healer. And so Moses had that relationship with God of going deeper with him where the vast majority of the people, they just kind of stayed in the shallow end. And so the thing is, wherever you find yourself, if you find yourself in the wilderness, if you find yourself on the edge of promise, if you find yourself in the fullness of the promises, wherever you find yourself today, the goal should be, okay, God, how can I partner with you where I'm at now? Because really, my goal is I want to know you more. I want to know your ways. God, why did you give me this promise in the first place? 
what does this thing that you spoke to me all these years ago that I wrote down in my journal or my diary or that was in that prophetic word that so-and-so gave me or whatever it was, right? Like, like I, when, I, when I go back and I look over my history with God, God, what is this about? What is your goal? What is it that you want me to learn about you in this process? Because if we act like the children of Israel and we harden our hearts, Hebrews 3 tells us that they hardened their hearts in the wilderness. And I'm jumping ahead here, but that's all right. They hardened their hearts in the wilderness. You read the last couple of verses of Hebrews chapter 3. And they did not enter into, they were unable to enter into God's rest. They were unable to enter into God's rest. And it was due to their unbelief. When we harden our heart before the Lord, the result of that is unbelief. And the result of unbelief is that we are unable to rest in God. We're unable to trust him. We're unable to stand firm upon what he's spoken and upon what he's promised. Why? Because our heart says, God, I don't know if I can trust you with this. And so I'm trying to get to this point in my life <clears throat> And I'm not great at it. I'm not even good at it, I would say. Um, but I'm, try I'm trying to learn how to get to the point where I can look at my circumstances. And even when I feel like they're really, really bad in the natural, that I can look at wherever I'm at in life. I can look at it. I can count it as a gift. You know, like, like Hebrew, uh, not Hebrews, James chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like the trial itself isn't joyful, I don't think. Like the trial itself does not bring me joy. Like something difficult that I'm going through, like, oh, I just lost my job. That brings me joy. Like the fact that I lost the job doesn't bring me joy, but I can find joy in it if I count it all joy because... Because I, I know that when we when we keep reading that verse, the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience have its good work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That is the desire of God for your life. I know we get into like some, you know, debates on the, the kind of stuff we're supposed to believe God for and whatever. But this is Bible. God wants you to lack nothing. That verse would not be in the Bible if he wanted you to lack. God does not want you to lack anything that you need. He wants you to be full. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be complete. He wants you to prosper in all areas of your life. And I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but God wants you to prosper. I, the, the, gospel, the gospel includes prosperity. It's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of following the plan of God for our lives. I'm not getting into that debate and it looks different for, 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 for different people. I, I get all that. But God does not want you to lack anything that you need for the assignment that he has called you to. Period. And so when we learn, when we can learn how to look at something difficult, we can learn to look at a conflict that we're going through. And we can count it all joy because we know that as long as we keep our heart sensitive and if we keep our heart just open before the Lord, you know, if I keep a tender heart before God, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it feels, if I keep a tender heart before the Lord, 
there's going to be growth that happens in that season. There's going to be breakthrough. There's going to be maturity. There's going to be deeper love. There's going to be deeper revelation, deeper trust. Because that's that's how relationship is is formed. That's how relationship is built. It's not just, well, God, what have you done for me lately? That's what happens when all you are is acquainted with the ways or the, not the ways, when you're just acquainted with the acts or the works of God and it's just waiting for him to do the next thing. And if he doesn't do it according to your schedule or your timeline or according to your standard, then it's like there, the, the trust just isn't there. You know, if I only trust you when everything is going good in my life, that's not real trust. Really what I'm trusting in is the stuff that I have. It's like I'm trusting in the provision instead of in the provider. And so we, we learn wherever you are, if, if you can learn how to look at it and count it as a gift, and I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but if we can learn how to look at where we are and we can count it as a gift, why? Because even if it's difficult, it's another opportunity to see the goodness of God on display. It's another opportunity to see him perfect his work in me. That's, that's an opportunity that we always have in front of us to go deeper with God, to know him more, to get deeper revelation so that when the breakthrough comes, when we see the fullness of that promise, that it's something that our heart is prepared for. Now, I'm not saying you're going to feel totally ready for it. I mean, there's times where God is like, hey, it's, it's time to do this. And you're just like, well, I don't feel like I'm ready yet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, here's the thing. God is, God is going to, God's not going to bring you into, and this is going to bring us back to the children of Israel and why God sent out, I believe the 12 spies in the first place. God's not going to thrust you into something that your heart hasn't been prepared for. It does not mean that you're going to feel ready. It does not mean that you're going to be able to do it on your own. It does not mean that there's not going to be stumbles and there's going to be trips and there's going to be humbling experiences. It doesn't mean any of that. But if God brings you into a situation, you can rest assured that he is fully convinced, not of your abilities, but of his ability in you to get that thing accomplished and to see that thing through. So I believe that, you know, again, it was God's idea to send the spies out into the land of Canaan. And, uh, you know, we haven't really gotten to this stuff yet, but they come back and, um, you know, we look at verse, I'm looking at this on my computer screen. Let's see. Uh, numbers 13 verse 27. Then they told him, so this is when they came back after spying out the land and they come back with this report. They say, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they brought back fruit, these giant clusters of grapes that we hear about. They brought this stuff back and they showed it. Like, ah, this is amazing. This is great. I mean, this land is amazing. It's abundant. It's abundant. See, the difference between, see, the wilderness, again, I, I, I said this before. I don't know if I finished my thought. The wilderness is not less spiritual than the promise. It's just different. And there's characteristics of being in the wilderness where it's like, when we look at the children of Israel, I mean, God was providing everything. They didn't have to do anything. I mean, they just had to wake up, collect their food. Just, okay, are we moving today? Yep, we're moving today. Great. We're, we're following the crowd. Uh, we're not moving today. All right. Like there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of 
responsibility on their end. And so God is in that process revealing to them, who wanting to reveal to them. I don't think they got it. It's obvious they didn't get it. But wanting to, to reveal to them his nature, wanting to reveal to them who he's created them to be, their identity, their position, their inheritance. Like God's wanting to reveal these things to them to strengthen their hearts so that they can have the courage that's needed to walk into a promised land that's overrun by enemy nations. And so he's throughout this process, he's wanting to show them, this is who I am. I'm providing for you. But it's not just about me providing for you because you deserve it. It's about I'm providing for you because this is who I am. It's the kind of God that I am so that when you face something difficult, you can know. Yeah, but remember when God provided for us back then? Remember when God protected us back then? Remember when God did? So in other words, there's a history forming so that now we have a basis that we can stand on. It's called the goodness of God. We've seen his goodness in the land of the living. So now we have courage to step into this situation that looks very troubling. And so God sends these spies out into the land. They come back. They say, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And so they come back and they're talking about how good the land really is. But then they have a nevertheless. And so I ask a question. I know it sounds cheesy, but what is your nevertheless? What's that thing that's holding you back? What's that thing that you've allowed to be elevated or exalted in your life as an excuse for not taking a step of faith to partner with God for that promise that he's given to you? I mean, what, what is that thing? What is that nevertheless? See, here's the problem. The people of God, the, these spies that went out into the land of Canaan, now there were two good, Joshua and Caleb were among the 12 spies, and they came back with a good report. The other 10, they came back and just started talking about all the negative stuff. So they had a very brief moment where they said, this is really good, this is good, there's milk and honey there, it's abundant, it's awesome, it's everything that God promised, but, or nevertheless, and then they go into this long rant on all of the and I mean, just listen to some of this. Um, the people who dwell in the land are strong. This is verse 28. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And so those are giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So it's like anywhere we want to go in there, there's enemy nations. There's other people. And it's a difficult situation and so they come in with this negativity so they started with the good and then they put their nevertheless they started putting in all these excuses now i believe fully in my heart if they had come back and they had said look this is what we're up against <laughs> there's all these fortified because god told them it was god's idea go into the land come back with a report I don't think that what God was looking for was for them to ignore all the problems. We get into a very super spiritual uh, and unhelpful place when we uh, just try to ignore the problems that exist and pretend that they're not there, right? It, it, it's one, So let me see if I can <laughs> – I just opened up a can of worms on this. Um, if there's sickness in your body – and you declare, by his stripes, I am healed. What you're doing is you are choosing to stand upon a higher reality. You can do that 
without denying the existence of that sickness. What's not helpful is when somebody says, because I've seen this happen, when somebody says, um, oh, you know, uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. Or, you know, when it comes time to go to the doctor for a checkup or something like that. And when you say, oh, no, I'm not sick. By his stripes, I'm healed. I'm not sick. And yet you actually really are. That's where we get into this, you know, kind of unhealthy area where all we're doing is we are denying the existence of a problem. The word of God does not invite you to deny the existence of a problem. What it does is it gives you permission to deny the influence of the problem. So I choose to anchor my faith to a higher reality. I'm not pretending that I'm not sick. I'm not pretending that this financial dilemma doesn't exist. I'm not pretending that there's not a big wall or mountain in front of me. What I'm doing instead is I'm choosing to shout faith to that mountain that's there and believing in my heart that God has already uh, moved on my behalf to cause that thing to fall. And so it's different than pretending it doesn't exist. So God wasn't looking for the people to come back and be like, yep, all we, it's all fruit and good stuff. It's good. We're good. We're good. We're good to go. We're going in because if they had done that. Then the people wouldn't have been prepared for the battles they were about to face. They, they would have had no idea and they would have maybe gotten ambushed or whatever. God wanted a true report. And so had the people come back, had these spies come back and said, you know what? This is what's going on. There's all these, there's the Jebusites, the Amorites, there's all these ites, there's all these people, there's all these nations, everything's, you know, no matter where we want to go, there's, um, there's a challenge, there's an obstacle, there's something we have to face. Nevertheless, <laughs> like, like if they had just put their nevertheless there instead of at the beginning, right? So it was like, but God, God has spoken, right? God has promised. So we're going to go up against it. We're going to go in. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to partner with God for this breakthrough. We're going to see it happen. And so it's, it's, a, it's a matter of, you know, the attitude of the heart. It was the attitude of the heart that said, we cannot do this. Eventually, that's what happens. They get to the point where they just say, we cannot do it because they are stronger than we are. See, because courage courage is not about the absence of fear. It's not. Courage is not this blind thing that just pretends that problems don't exist. No, that's not. I mean, what God is actually looking for is a heart that says, you know what? This looks really tough. This looks really challenging and I'm confused and I don't know how I'm going to go about this. I know I don't have the strength for this, but God, I'm not anchoring my hope. I'm not anchoring my faith or my expectation to my abilities, but I'm anchoring my expectation to the reality that you are good to the reality that you are faithful. And if you've spoken this thing, if you've promised, and you're saying that we are equipped and we are able to go up and to take possession of this thing, even though it doesn't look like it in the natural God, I am going to trust you. You can be shaking at times. You can be disturbed at times. But if you continue to move toward the promises of God in spite of that trepidation or in spite of that fear that's called courage that is biblical godly courage and so had the people come back 
with a negative report, but then still got to the point where they said, yeah, but God said it. So we're going to go up and we're going to take possession because we know that God is with us. Had they done that, it would have been different. But what we see is they harden their heart and they, uh, they get to the point where they go back. They go back to the wilderness. You know, we can say that God was cruel for not allowing them to go in and take possession of the land anyway. But here's the thing. God was not cruel to send them back into the wilderness because had he allowed them to, well, first of all, they refused to go in. But second of all, had God allowed them to go in in that state of mind that they were in with that defeated attitude, they would have been destroyed. They would have been wiped out from the face of the earth. God could not allow his people to go in with that heart attitude that they had because God was not going to do everything for them in the promised land in the same way that he did everything for them in the wilderness. Because the goal of the promised land is abundance. The goal of the promised land is to partner with the heart of God for breakthrough to happen. Because like it or not, you are part of the journey. You are part of the process. You're part of the adventure. God wants, God has you on an adventure with him where he actually wants you to be a part of it. And to say, oh, well, you know, it's God's going to do it all. God's going to do it all. Well, yeah, he's going to do it all. But, you know, I, I, I have a friend who says that, um, you know, God puts his super on your natural and it's supernatural. So in other words, there are things that we need to do. We have responsibility. We have responsibility in the wilderness and in the land of promise. We have responsibility to partner with the heart of God, to see breakthrough happen, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. His kingdom be established here on the earth as it is in heaven. God's desire from the very beginning of time was to do that, to establish his kingdom here on the earth in partnership with his people. From the very beginning, that was his desire. That's why he put Adam and Eve in the garden. That's why he gave them an assignment. That's why he did all that. When sin came in, there was a rift, a separation that took place. Mankind gave up that place of authority that he had here on the earth. And that's why Jesus had to come. And when Jesus came, he didn't just die on the cross so that we can all go to heaven someday. Of course, of course, that's, a, that's you know, of course. But it was also part of the process of restoring mankind to the way that things were before the fall. So when Jesus in Matthew 28, when he's about to depart and we see the great commission and he says, all authorities have been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, go therefore it's a passing of the baton. It's a passing of authority that says, you are my people here on the earth. I have I paid the price once and for all. I did everything. I defeated death. I defeated sin. I defeated the grave. I've positioned you in a place where you are not separated from God. I've removed that thing. That veil has been torn. That veil of separation has been removed. You have this place of authority. The desire of God has always been to partner with his people here on the earth to see breakthrough happen. He just, he's, his heart is not to do it all by himself. He wants to do it in partnership with you. Your assignment 
And whether you're called to traditional ministry or to uh, business or to being a teacher or to being a stay-at-home parent or whatever your vocation is and all of that, whatever goes into the calling of God on your life, it doesn't matter if it's a full-time ministry vocation or not. Your assignment matters. Your assignment matters because it is part of God's plan to establish his kingdom here in the earth. And he wants to do it with you. I don't know how I got off on that. But so it wasn't cruel for God to send his people back into the wilderness. He, there was no other option. It was essential that God, so, you know, I think the reason why God sends out those 12 spies into the land to spy it out and to come back with the report is because it was essential that that heart attitude of the people be revealed prior to entering the land of promise. Because if that seed of unbelief that was inside of them had not been rooted out, then the weight of the promise on the other side of the Jordan would have just been too much to bear. And so um, I want to just uh, tell you something that I, I think is, is, is a, it's, it's a really important truth for you to grab hold of. God is not withholding blessing from you. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready yet. And we put this weight on ourselves that is not, it doesn't need to be there either. If you're waiting for the promise, awesome. If you're in the promise, awesome. Because either way, you get God, you get more of him, and you get that process of adventure and growth that happens as long as you don't harden your heart, but you keep your heart tender before the Lord in spite of the circumstances that are coming your way. God is not withholding blessing from you. It was his desire to take the people of God into the promised land. He had them there. He said, I'm giving you this land. I just want you to get into agreement with me. It was their unbelief that stopped them from stepping into the promise. Look, God is not withholding blessing from you. He is not holding back from you. He's not. His word declares no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is not withholding blessing from you. I want you to get that in your spirit today. If you get nothing else out of this, I want you to know that God is not withholding. But yeah, but Pastor Duke, I messed up. I made a mistake. I took too long to get there. I didn't obey the last time God spoke to me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Is God bigger than all of that? Of course he is. Did he know that you were going to make all those mistakes and have those mishaps and everything before he even promised you the thing? Of course he did. And yet he promised it anyway. God's not withholding blessing from you because you messed up. God's not holding back from you. God hasn't, God's not dangling carrots in front of you because he wants to get more out of you. It's not about that at all. God wants you to learn how to trust in him and to rest in him to see that breakthrough come to pass. He's not withholding blessing from you. The only reason the people of God could not go in is because their unbelief caused them to harden their hearts and they refused to enter in. You know, we've got, sometimes we've got to fight. Sometimes we've got to fight against that unbelief. You know, unbelief is this, is this thing that trips God's people up, but sometimes it creeps in and, and you don't even know that it's there. And one of the ways that it creeps in is through offense. And one of the ways that offense happens is that, you know, you're believing God for something, you're waiting on God for something and it doesn't pan out. 
for one reason or another, or maybe you don't even know why. Maybe you feel like you did everything God said. You, you feel like you did everything the right way, the way you were supposed to, and it didn't pan out the way that you thought it would. Or maybe you were just believing God for something. It didn't happen and you got disappointed. Or maybe just something blindsided you in life. I mean, my goodness, when these things happen, like you get blindsided by some kind of a tragedy in life or, or something just, un, un, it feels like unbearable that that happens. You weren't expecting it. You weren't anticipating it. And it, it just happens. And then it's like, well, God, what, why? What happened? What happened there? And when we don't have those, you know, when we feel like we have those unanswered questions, that kind of unresolved tension can so often turn into an offense where we get offended with God. And so now what happens is we kind of hold back a little bit, kind of like what we would do in a relationship. Somebody lets you down too many times. Somebody disappoints you too many times. Well, now the weight of their words doesn't mean as much as it used to. And I feel like we can do that with God. You know, we can do that with God. We can just kind of hold back and maybe not have as high of an expectation this time as we did in the past because we know that in the past it failed. Or we can even kind of get cynical, be like, okay, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it kind of thing. And this offense can begin to fester on the inside of us. And if we don't deal with that unresolved tension, then... Eventually, it leads to unbelief. That offense eventually breeds unbelief if we don't deal with it. So we've got to learn how to fight against those things. You know, there's times in life where we've got to fight against that. We're to, to fight to maintain that, that tenderness in our heart before the Lord. To say, God, I don't understand what happened here, but it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change the fact that you're good. It doesn't change the fact that you're faithful. And God, I know, I know that even though it might not feel like it right now, I know that you are not withholding blessing from me. You're not holding back from me. God is not holding back from you. You know what? I wasn't going to do, I don't even have my Bible, uh, but I'm going to go and use my phone Bible because um, this just popped into my heart and I want to read this verse in Romans chapter 8. All right. All right, Bible, you're in Spanish. I need you to be in English. I'm going to go with the... Oh, wait, hang on. I'm sorry, guys. I'm in Spanish. <laughs> Where is the... Uh, I'm going to go New King James. I'll go New King James. Let's see. All right, so Romans chapter 8. And I don't remember the exact verse. I think it's in the 30s. Listen to this. So verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a good question. It's a great question to ask when you are like in conflict. You know what? If God is for me, and it's not if, like I wonder if, it's, it's, it's saying that God is for me. So who can be against me? You might have some circumstances against you, some people against you, some whatever. But I mean, if God is for you, does it really, at the end of the day, matter who or what's against you? But the next verse is what I really wanted. Uh, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
God held nothing back from you when he sent his son to the cross. Jesus, the son of God, the perfect one, the king of glory, held nothing back from you when he hung on that cross and he gave his life in your place because he loved you that much that he wanted you in spite of all your faults and everything else. He wanted you for eternity. He wanted you to have full access to the heart of the Father, full access to the presence of God, full access to the throne room of heaven. He, he wanted all that for you and so much more. He held nothing back. He laid it all down. He gave everything. When Jesus went to that cross, and we took communion yesterday at church, and th this is what I was talking about, it, you know, remembering as we take the bread and the cup, remembering how faithful he is that he didn't leave anything out. He had everything in mind. When he went to that cross, he had you in mind. When, he, when his body was torn, when his blood was shed, he had you in mind. The situation that you're facing, the difficulty that you're facing right now, he had it in his mind. He knew what you were going to go through and he fully paid for it all once and for all. So it says, he who did not spare his own son, he held nothing back from you in sending his own son to the cross. How will he also not freely give you all things in Christ? In other words, if he didn't hold back from you with the life of his son, how would he, why would he hold back from you now? Why would he hold back from you now? I'm telling you, he's not holding back from you. There's somebody that's living under a lie that because they've messed up too many times, that God's holding back from them now. And it is just, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. It is not true. And I just declare in the name of Jesus that there's freedom for you today from that lie that you've lived under. That's, that's, that's allowed um, things to be robbed from you. Your joy has been robbed from you. Your peace has been robbed from you. Breakthrough has been robbed from you. Not because God's been holding it back, but because this lie has stood haughtily over you that said you're not good enough for the promises of God anymore. I just cancel that lie in Jesus name. And God, I, I, I just, um, God, I just ask you for just a infusion, just a breakthrough of your love and of your truth to tear down every lie, every lie of the enemy. You know, any time in your life that you are operating in a spirit of fear, you are under the influence of a lie. And so if there's something that's holding you back from stepping out in faith, according to a promise that God has given you, and you're, and you're just kind of either unwilling or not sure or fearful, and it's just you're not taking that next step because there's fear there. You're under the influence of a lie. And, and that's not a rebuke by any means because we all get there for sure. But it's like God wants you to have lack in no area of your life. And so if God promised you this thing and God is leading you in this direction, it's because he is fully confident and fully convinced in his perfect ability to see you through this thing. If he's calling you to go up against a giant, if he's calling you to go up against a mountain, if he's calling you to go up against something that has just stood haughtily against you or against God's people or whatever the case may be, if he's called you to do that, it's because he's confident in his ability 
he's confident in what he's taught you. And you might not feel it. You might not see it. You might not think that it's all there. But he's confident in the work that he's done in your life and that he's going to continue to do in your life so that you can stand in that place of courage and say, God, I'm not going to partner with this lie that wants me to stay in my comfort zone. Instead, I'm going to partner with your heart by standing upon your promise, by continuing to declare out of my mouth. And yeah, sometimes with my actions, the same thing, holding fast the confession of my faith without wavering because I know that you've promised and I know that you're faithful. His grace is just, it's enough. It's more than enough. His grace is more than enough. Um, man, I think I'm just going to stop. I think I'm going to stop. I, I had a lot more uh, <laughs> to talk about there. I ended up going kind of down a rabbit trail that I didn't plan on going on. I believe it was the Lord. I hope that that was a blessing for somebody. And uh, yeah, I just think I'm going to go ahead and just I'm going to wrap this up. Um, but I uh, just uh, I, I just want to just declare over you that whatever it is that you are trusting God for, believing God for, I just declare the simple truth of God's word that he withholds nothing from those who walk uprightly. That he who delivered up the life of his own son, he will freely, will, will he not also freely with him give you all things? The answer to that is absolutely he will. Because he's faithful. He's faithful to complete that work that he's begun. Again, it doesn't matter if it's been 50 years. It doesn't matter how long it's been. And, and, and here's the thing about partnering with the heart of God. He's not looking for uh, perfection. He's not looking for this perfect response that never allows any kind of fear or stumbling or anything like that to come in. What he's looking for is a willingness to partner with his heart for breakthrough. I promise you, if the people had come back with a report that said, this looks difficult, but we're willing to trust God, man, they would have gone in and they would have been successful and they would have had breakthrough. It's not about perfection on our part. He's perfect. He was perfect in your place so that you don't have to be perfect. He's just looking for a willingness. He's looking for that courage, that, 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 that courageous heart that says, God, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to trust you and to partner with you for the next step. So wherever you find yourself, you find yourself in the wilderness, waiting on the edge of promise. You find yourself, some, somebody might be there where you just feel like you're so close, but it just doesn't seem to be breaking through to that next step. Wherever you are, just know that where you are, it's a gift. It's a gift because it's an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity for you to trust God more. It's an opportunity for him to establish more of himself, more of his strength, more maturity on the inside of you. But it only happens when we maintain that openness before the Lord. We continue to go after him. We continue to seek him. We continue to make him the goal. Because the more that we focus on him, the more that we become like him. So the more of his goodness, 
and his faithfulness and his love and his, the more of his character gets established on the inside of us so that when it comes time for the final brick of that wall to be, uh, to fall down, that all that, all the, the, the character of God has been established in you so that you have everything that you need to step fully into that promise with courage and with a mindset of victory. And so, yeah, if I don't stop, I'm just going to keep going. So uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for, again, taking the time to check out this episode. I really, really pray that this was a blessing to you. If this is for any reason, like if this is the first experience that you've had with Real Life Talk, normally I have a guest on the show, uh, but I just wanted to get something out here and uh, and just share my heart with you guys. Pray that it was a blessing to somebody. I'm excited for uh, the rest of this week and for the coming weeks for some of the guests that I have. Well, all of the guests that I have coming up. I'm excited for some awesome conversations and to share those with you. Uh, please feel free to comment. Uh, to uh, leave a review or uh, anything like that on the Facebook page, Real Life Talk Podcast, or on any of the podcast platforms. Leaving a review, uh, star rating, or whatever they let you do there is just incredibly helpful. I appreciate you guys so much. Have an awesome day, and uh, see you next time. Bless you.